Now I've been taught that we all have unconscious bias. People do right. not want to believe that they have that. But if you have a brain, you have an unconscious right. bias, is that shortcut? It's the freeway when you could have taken the long back route to some place. Mm. And it's Good based one. on your knowledge. I know I'll be there in 10 minutes. If I take the back way, it's gonna take 40. But sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes we do need to take the back way because that scenic route is going to teach us a lot. And that's one of the reasons why we have to get familiar with what our unconscious biases are and where they come from. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wake Up Stories. My name is Laura. Hey, y'all. I'm Andrea. Thank you for joining us this week. We are super excited to have our guest with us. If you've been following along this long, thank you for your love, your support, your comments, the sharing, the tagging, all of the above. We have some very interesting conversations that just help us to grow together, create more inclusion, wake up to the unconscious bias that we've all been seated with, and just make our world and ourselves a better place. So thank you. With us today, we have Denise, and she is a uh, wellness specialist with diversity, equity, and inclusion for the Department of Defense. And she's been very active at diversity and equity and inclusion training for years, probably longer than I think anybody wants to admit out loud. <laughs> probably longer than I've been alive, if I'm keeping it real, but or close to it. But she has seen a lot. She's a lot of experience a lot of knowledge. We're so excited to hear her message today. So Denise, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Laura, Andrea. This is exciting for me. Uh, most of that education is that harsh kind life experience. They said experience is that great teacher that we remember those lessons. Growing up in New York, being in what could be considered the most multicultural and international Mecca out there, I have had lots of exposure and had to sit in a classroom with everybody from every culture. And uh, my parents are immigrants, so I do have a different Black American experience. And Absolutely. I just, I, I look forward to sharing one of my many stories with you. So, <laughs> can, I, yeah. can I ask where they're immigrants from? Um, Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, okay. Awesome. The Caribbean. Yes. Beautiful, wow. with beautiful island. What we're going to have to, I have a girlfriend who goes down there for uh, Carnival every oh, year. Oh, none this year because of the pandemic. <laughs> wow. Uh, First time yeah. ever. Yeah. She always, it's been at least a decade she's been going every year, I guess until now. Anyway, but yeah, we will have to get down there once the pandemic is over. And thank you for that awesome introduction. And Denise, tell us your story. So I have to tell you right now, with diversity and inclusion on the Air Force Base, I'm asking people to tell their stories because I believe everybody has a story. And so you should tell your story with empathy. And I ask you to listen to other people's stories with empathy. And I will come back to that later on. But my stories today are about unconscious bias, not only my own, but what I've been subject to. And so I call it behind the back because these conversations took place behind my back. So when I was stationed in Texas, I, for a young airman with kids, needed a little extra pocket change. I started selling Mary Kay cosmetics. And along with doing the skincare classes, we were told that it's okay to do community service using Mary Kay. So one of the local entities was having a fundraiser 
and I got together several of the Mary Kay consultants to do the makeup for the models in that fashion show fundraiser. So I was the point person for the models makeup, along with being acquainted with the organization. Behind my back were two Mary Kay beauty consultants, and they were Caucasian. And the one asked the other, who's in charge of this? And they said, Denise is. Denise, she's in Linda's unit. And the lady's like, she said, who? She said, Denise, the Black lady. Now here's the power of unconscious bias. The Black lady was said by the woman who knew who I was. But the other one who didn't know who I was didn't say anything, but she gave a nonverbal because the nonverbal was met with, oh no, she's not that kind of Black. So to this what? day, I walked away. I did not turn around to talk. I did not confront. I just listened as the one lady said, oh no, she's not that type of Black. What I should have done was found out exactly what that unconscious bias nonverbal was associated with quote unquote, that kind of Black. Because today, all I can confirm is that when someone hears that Black woman, something comes to their mind that even right. if they say no words is translated to whoever they're talking to. And that's what happened in that situation behind my back. Wow. I fast forward to moving here to Utah. I'm in a food court on the installation. And there are two gentlemen, once again, talking behind my back. And they made a comment that just made me step back. They said, oh man, having a hard time getting the job here. You got to be connected. You got to be down with. And they talked about a majority group. And I thought to myself, well, these are two brothers that ain't got it in. <laughs> so they can't. I turned around. It was two white men. And in my head, I said, where am I? Because that's not the conversation I ever envisioned a couple of white men having behind my back. That was my unconscious bias. I immediately thought, mm. oh, folks having a hard time getting the job because they're not connected. They probably black or brown. And then I turned right. around and I saw, oh, wow. White guys. Two white guys. Then I wondered, where <laughs> am I in this great state of Utah? Where am I that the white men are talking like that? <laughs> oh, interesting. So, two very powerful conversations. Now, I've been taught that we all have unconscious bias. People right. do not want to believe that they have that. But if you have a brain, you have an unconscious right. bias, is that shortcut? It's the freeway when you could have taken the long back route to some mm. place. And it's Good based one. on your knowledge. I know I'll be there in 10 minutes. If I take the back way, it's going to take 40. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we do need to take the back way because that scenic route is going to teach us a lot. And that's one of the reasons why we have to get familiar with what our unconscious biases are and where they come from. I, I had not seen why people struggle to get employment. And I know it's possible. And that's the other thing about unconscious bias. We have it, even though we know what we're believing, <laughs> it might not be real. It could be possible that Absolutely. a person would have a hard time finding a job, no matter who they are. And let's, so we're all capable. Let's, um, I love that you used two different examples of 
when it's happened to you and when you've also done it. Because one, I feel like a lot of people of color don't like to admit or won't admit their own biases, right? We all have been seated with unconscious bias. We all, for some reason, judge and make assumptions based on how people look or talk or dress or right because of the programming that we have been received so I love that you gave two examples and I have some questions and on on both of those (laughs) yeah I've got many experiences like that it's unbelievable and we don't want to catch ourselves but we have to catch ourselves we're capable and that is one of the challenges today when I'm telling my story, there are already people who are on the defense, but right. what were you right. going to say? What were you going to say? Okay, so let's go to the Mary Kay story. And then I want to come back to when you first got here and you were standing, when you were at work or on the installation, sorry. So with the Mary Kay story, I would love to explore a little bit more of the stereotype and bias behind that kind of black woman. And I'm like, Laura, you're shaking your head because I'm dying to know what your gut response was when you heard that. I'm, it's very interesting to me because I'm searching my brain to know what's that nonverbal cue. What would that look like? And what would that be? Because I feel like that's not something I can pinpoint. So I'd be really curious to know how, like, what did that, yeah, I want to know. So for me, I wish our audience could see our faces. When you said that, Denise, for me, the nonverbal was this move. Oh. Like so a, yeah, kind of like, yeah, a, like a little epiphany of, oh, got it. Okay, she's not one oh. of those. Got it. Okay, okay, great. Now let's move forward. Was that kind of what it was, Denise? I, I believe that her nonverbal was probably one of, you know. Oh, so maybe like, like a more hmm, discouraging. Whatever woman that she was exposed to because the mere fact that it called for a defense from the mm, other person. Right. It wasn't an offense. It so you think more offense. maybe like a cringy kind of. Yeah. It, it, like there was, look. there was no way that she would, if it, when you say the black consultant now, if, mm. and I'm going to, I'm going to defend her. If she was aware of my story. Yeah. She would be able to have a positive because I was one of the only consultants that won their kit at a Mary Kay function and worked the business. Yeah. Okay. But there weren't that many like me. Most people bought theirs and I don't know what they did. But the one girl who knows you and says she's not that kind of black lady, she knows you're standing right there, right? Where you can hear her. I don't think they, I don't think they saw me. Oh, I don't think they saw me. So this happened behind her back. It happened behind my back. I know, but that doesn't mean they can't see her. Typically, if you're talking behind someone's back, they're not in your presence. So they didn't see Denise. And that's why they were having this conversation. The one didn't know me. And the one that did know who I was, we probably were back to back. Okay. Because if she was facing me, she could have called to me. And I don't think she would be saying that kind of stuff if she knows you can hear her. Exactly. Definitely so, here's, the, here's the thing. There's a couple of biases and stereotypes. I'm going to, I keep going. I'm going to go back to stereotypes today as we deep dive into this. 
with this because when you said she doesn't know your story, if she had known you, she probably would have assumed something different. That's the problem with these biases and stereotypes. We shouldn't have to know people in order to love them, be accepting, to not judge. And as a Black woman, I shouldn't have to assimilate in order to not be judged. I shouldn't have to be, as you said, like I'm one of the top. If she had known who I was, she never would have thought that. It's like, we should be loved and accepted just for nearly existing. We shouldn't have to be twice as good, one of the best in order to have good recognition. And it's sad that society, since before the creation of America, I'm gonna stick with America because I'm not a world historian. So before the creation of America, Black women have been painted a certain way, right? We're the nannies, we're the mammies, we're the ancient mamas, where I literally have had white people say, well, not all slaves were treated bad. Some Black women were nursemaids. Oh, okay. So we were forced to get up in the middle of the night and literally provide substance to these white babies while their mothers slept, only to wake up and be abused by their parents because that's so much better, right? Like, it's like we have been painted and then as, as media progressed and they start painting black men as, as the rapist and cannibalistic and to be feared, women who start getting painted as angry and aggressive and, you know, the, the, the angry black woman, I put air quotes on that. And so it's, there's all of these things from the media, from books, from look at the original Tarzan, right? That was taught in school. The original Tarzan is raised by apes and he then becomes assimilated with a European culture and becomes civilized. But then guess who Tarzan has to save Jane from? He's saving Jane from black people, from like wild uncivilized natives. So again, in this children's story, Black people are painted as villains that the Europeans have to be saved from because they weren't as civilized. So it's like these stereotypes of people of color being less than goes back way beyond uh, more than 200 years ago. As, right? as, as you mentioned that, one of my good friends and a font of wisdom, I, I believe she's probably three score and 10 plus. So she might be entering into her eighties, told me recently that she doesn't celebrate black history month. When she puts stuff out, she puts African history because a lot of the people in the world don't realize that black started before folks came to America. So she does right. African history to make that connection between kings and queens aristocracy on the homeland in the yeah. motherland. And a lot of us are disconnected. If you ever talk to African people, they will say that the Black American is damaged because of the disconnect. And can you just imagine, you just made the comment that some Blacks were nursemaids and the person who said that felt that was better. Yeah, for some did. reason, there's some gratitude that should be attached right. to that, even right. though the big picture is still ugly. <laughs> and a lot of people don't want to hear this because they don't want to go back. But I, right. I don't know. Have either of you uh, read Cicely Tyson's autobiography, As I no. Am? No. I'm starting, I I'm reading to. it right now. 
There is okay. a portion in chapter four. I don't really want to blow it for you, but it's very, it's poignant to what we're talking about right now. In chapter yeah. four, she's on tour with Sounder. And I don't okay. know if you if you remember the movie Sounder, but it's rural, South, all of Jim Crow, that kind of stuff. But right. one of the reporters on the tour said he was so surprised in the movie when he saw the little black boy call his father daddy because he was like wait a minute that's what my son calls me right. the white man was like it's appropriate for a, a little white boy to call his father daddy but he had no idea that black people did that too so right then and there that portion of the book let me know oh my gosh even back in the the lack of human they didn't attach us to human no and and how and they ripped them apart. They bred them and ripped them apart. They didn't think. Right. Listen, I have a whole email on lessons you can learn from a dog. So if we were likened to the animal kingdom, we did okay if we were like dogs because dogs give affection no matter what you do to them. Okay, that's a good rebuttal for the next time you know, someone says they were nurse maids. I'm gonna say I'm gonna liken that one. <laughs> I talked to yeah. I talked to a well-loved leader who gave black women a lot of credit for who he is today. I think I stepped a little out of pocket when I said to him, I said, but it's a sad thing that many black women are responsible for great places that white men and women have gotten to and they, they can't get right. a little credit and suckled and sustained, but we can't get it. We're, we're the last. I remember right. when Essence Magazine covered who gets the best car prices. We were at the bottom. Right. The men got the best. And then right. the women came next and the black woman was last. Look at Katherine Johnson and the work that she did for NASA. Tell mm. me why our children are, when they're taught about Neil stepping on the moon, why aren't we taught about Katherine as well? Right. That should, she it finally was, came out, right? Finally yeah, finally. Out. Right. But how instrumental was she in the movement? And this life-changing history for mankind, not even just America, but for mankind, that mm -hmm. was uh, heavily influenced by what she did and she got no credit for it. But mm -hmm. when you think of that kind of Black woman, why aren't we taught to think about people like Katherine Johnson? Mm -hmm. And I you love know? her story personally, just because we're talking about her. I just want to say I relate to this her so much because my daughter loves science and my daughter my last name yeah. is Johnson and my daughter's first name is Catherine and so when this story yeah. came out we just embraced it I was like oh this is amazing so I love so she her she story. has a great name she has yes. a great <laughs> name I loved that she was still alive when all of that came out and I'm so glad because yeah, I think she's she passed since she, she has yeah when they first started making it she was still alive and at yeah. least her that legacy is there for her family with it's devastating. Oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank? So it's the exact same concept with Henrietta Locks, right? Where here she was, this black woman who was dying of cancer, and the hospital illegally took samples of her and never notified the family. And she died. In fact, she is in an unmarked grave somewhere in a field where the rest of her slave ancestors have been buried. And her family was never notified and years go by. And she, so hers were the first cells to naturally reproduce themselves. And so all of the study 
and medical groundbreaking has happened because of her DNA and her family didn't even know about it. And so they sent it before they put man on the moon, they sent her cells to, to space. They would test them in labs. They would, and so it, it's the story is the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. And that's because her cells continue to reproduce. And no one even told her family when her family would find out, they didn't even understand how science and biology worked and how cells can regenerate. And they literally felt like people were cloning her mother because they were cloning her cells. And so the medical industry started selling and distributing all of her cells illegally without the family's consent. And the family still to this day has not seen a dime. Oh, wow. because it's like it is insane but it's like another one of these black women who has transformed history and and medicine for man but no one knows about it so when we think of that black woman why don't we think of Henrietta Lacks why don't we think of Katherine Johnson and so that's what's disappointing but the good thing is by having these conversations and sharing that story Denise we can start to reseed our subconscious mind so that we can dispel those stereotypes of the black woman. We can start to think more positively when we think of people of color. Laura, it looks like you're chopping at the bit. Basically. Yeah, always, right? Yeah. And what I love about both of those stories is that they're just so simple and subtle. They're things that they happen right. all the time. I love that you point out it's not some big, massive thing. It was just some, just the conversations that you overheard. Right. And I can tell you, I have overheard a conversation very similar to that first example. Yeah. Where there wasn't a black person around and a white person who I know is talking to somebody else and similarly says, yeah, they're not that kind of black person. Yeah. And I was, it's very eye opening when you hear a conversation like that and yeah, the biases that, that people have. Yeah. And I've talked about that situation several times to different people. And it was an older person. I think sometimes, I don't know if there's a little bit of grace sometimes for generational biases. Cause I talk to my right. dad sometimes about the way that he was raised and I'm like, dad, tell me about this. And he's just the way it was just the, so accepted. You no, know? yeah. That is, that is our greatest right. challenge that so and many so, things were so accepted. Right. And so yeah. I think there's still with an older generation, there's, I see that more prevalent among them where they feel more comfortable saying this because that's right. how they were raised. And well, so, so I find myself with a couple of what we would call uncomfortable conversations. I've played back that thing in my head a couple of times. And I thought to myself, if I was one of my other friends, that I didn't just take it in and walk away because right. that's me in my way. There's a few people that would have turned around and got the neck rolling and the hand going and right. made it perfectly clear that something's wrong with what you, what was that? But, but, and that's when right. the angry, that stereotype, and then you go right. check, see, yeah, you told me that's how, into it. that's, yeah. And so yeah. there's a part of me, I don't know, I've always been calm about all of these kind of things, but I've had some really tough, conversations when you talk about the n-word and I grew up and the dictionary is still home in New York right now it's old as molasses it actually looks like one of those antique books but it's an Oxford dictionary and next to the definition of that word was an ignorant person my sister had a different dictionary in her room and hers said fool right now like we fast forward to today we have people who believe that N-word 
describes people like me and Andrea, just automatically because it's in the dictionary, but it wasn't originally in the dictionary. I had this conversation with a professional on Hill Air Force Base recently, and they had no idea that the definition back in the 70s and the late 60s was ignorant person. And I said, right. that's not indicative of any race. I know a lot of people who, who don't look anything like me that are more the N-word definition than I ever will be. <laughs> more they're more ignorant fools, right? <laughs> you know, more the definition than I, Lord help right. us, we all could be it at any given time. But because Absolutely. It, it was taken as a term of endearment and it really infuriated my father. But I understand the empowerment of taking it back. But it did right. not serve, you know, the greater good. I understand that part. And that's one right. of the things that I say, I have a level of understanding. And so as I go across Hill Air Force Base, I want to hear people's story and I want people yeah. to tell their story. And like I said, I want them to do it with um, empathy. And yeah. so the first thing I need them to do is to put aside their own viewpoint and try right. to see it from the other person. Because a lot of times, as soon as you start talking, they're like, oh, here we go with that sob story. Can we just forget about that? No, we cannot right. forget about it. It's because it was forgotten that we are where we are today. Absolutely. It didn't get put on blast. So just listen to the, I tell them, if your first thing is you're about to defend or whatnot or uh, get all upset, stop. Just go, right. oh, wow, that's Denise's experience, man. Exactly. And just leave it with me. And now you know what I went through. And when you go, wow, Denise, I had no idea that kind of stuff happened to you, girl. You're now acknowledging my yeah. perspective and what I went through. Then you have to examine your own attitude. You're going to get mad about it. Black people always complaining about this and that. I think they have a right to. The challenge right now is there's a whole group of people who are going to cry reverse discrimination. And I'm going to tell you that we understand the whole red line exercise. I'm sure I don't have, I'm sure you've already talked about that red line exercise where they go down the, have you ever had your lights cut off? Have you ever worried, you know, where you're going to get your next meal? And according to what socioeconomic group you belong to or what culture you may answer. And then when you look and see who's up front, hardly any people looking like me up front. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, there's a video like that also mm -hmm. that my, my husband told me about on the topic of privilege, where you have all types of ages, ethnicities on a line, and they read off a question. And every time the answer is no, for you, you take a step forward. So, you know, were you raised in a two parent home? If the answer is no, you take a step forward. And like all these different things. And then they say, okay, go. And you race to the end of the line, but look who's ahead. Right, look at right. who's already ahead and look right. at who was behind. And it's right? so hard to let folks know about that. So we are, we're not using the term privilege. In my latest training, we're using unearned advantages and unearned disadvantages. And I've got That's stories very about interesting. that. Yes, <laughs> I like that. I've got stories we were just, about that. Yeah, uh, I'm like, like off the air, Laura and I are talking about that. And we actually want to do an episode on privilege. And so I think we need to bring you back, Denise, for that. <laughs> she would be great for that because this is so funny that this is coming up because this has been a recent conversation yeah, for us. Yes. Trigger I told Laura word. earlier, 
I got 8 million stories and they're yeah. all just so true. But uh, this is my opportunity to share. Like I had told you guys, I don't know if you had paid attention on my little pre-interview stuff. I do believe that this is a season and I do have the skills for this season because I'm willing to listen as well as help other people see. And you, right. you have to be willing. I'm going to work with yeah. the willing. Um, but can if we, can we talk room, about that for a second? Sure. Sorry, the part, because I want to, before we run out of time, I want to move on to the second part of the story. But I like how you said you have to be willing to listen and you have to be willing to do some of the work because part of what we want everyone to get out of and listening to this and joining us and having these conversations is how to do the work. A lot of people get, get hung up on the how. And so even in that instance, and you guys feel free to jump in, but even in that situation in the Mary Kay room, or like Laura said, it's happened to her when she's heard two white people having this conversation, they say, oh, they're not that kind of black person. How would you respond? What's the proper way to react in a situation like that? Ask the question. You have to ask the question. What do you mean by that? Yes, because that's that is going to tell me what their experience and their definition of a black woman is. And if I'm not involved in any of those things that they're talking about or describing or have experience, they're not talking about me. We, We do individualization when we want to, and then we do collective when we want to. So if you're gonna lump me together with a whole bunch of people that you think I'm like, you have to let me pick those people. I I can pick the people that I'm like. You can't pick the people because you're not around me. You don't know me. They can see me and Andrea together and they'll say, there go some sisters. Yes, because we have some similarities. But there are a whole bunch of differences, I'm sure. So if you can see each person as an individual, here's the work. Know that just like you walk around with your own stories, whoever you're looking at, they walk around with their own stories. I need you to listen to what they have to say and allow them to listen to what you have to say. Examine your attitude. Are you coming at this with all your negative stereotypes or all your hurt feelings from what someone else did? You're now applying to this person here when you may not have that correlation at all. And then use your eyes, your ears, your heart to pay attention to what's being said and how you take it in. It's a simple take time. All great relationships take time and effort. People we don't want to get to know, we don't talk to them. We don't call them. We don't invite them to anything because we don't want to get to know them. But for unconscious bias, to make sure you're in the right place, you've got to reach out and talk to the folks and see if the stereotypes are right, wrong, indicative to a certain group. I have a whole bunch of friends that are afraid of poor white people. You know why they're afraid of poor white people? Because poor white people probably hate them because they're doing well and they're not white. Mm. I got a whole circle of folks that think poor white people are dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that goes back to some of the stereotypes, but also our history. It's a stereotype that also has derived from American history, just like some of our other ones. We understand why some of the stereotypes for black and brown people exist. Some of them that exist for white people are around the same ways. Did you know that when the dominant caste was enslaving, right, black people, that poor whites 
were struggling also. They didn't have the money to have slaves. And so you had certain areas where poor whites and slaves would come together to revolt against the um, wealthy and the dominant caste. So then you know what the dominant caste did? Then they started putting laws in place to say, hey, if you're revolting with the, these group of black people, these group of Africans at the time, right? Or even natives when they would enslave some of the, our indigenous brothers and sisters. If you're revolting with them and you get caught, you get off free. In fact, you get to help lash this person or hang this person or shoot that person. And that's how they started drawing the divide between poor whites and people of color in America. And that's how they started sowing hate amongst the poor whites against people of color in America that can't further that divide so that they couldn't bind, come together and overthrow the dominant caste. It's so I understand history. where that, yeah, That's I understand where that history. fear comes I've from. never heard that yeah. before. Yes, it's yeah. powerful yeah. history. Because they don't teach it in school. Baboon. We don't teach they don't. that. We don't they sure teach don't. It. <laughs> and and, and let me tell you, it. when you explain those things to people who know nothing about it, this is usually the response that I get. Why do you feel that way? I didn't tell you a feeling. That was right? a fact. That was history. That was a fact. <laughs> when someone says, oh, I had no idea you felt that way. I'm like, no. When it comes to unconscious bias and, and things of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we have to separate feelings from yes, facts. From history. Yes, thank you. From history. I had this yes. conversation with a gentleman and he wanted to bring up the Constitution of the United States. So I went all the way back to the Jefferson Papers. I'm like, hello, <laughs> if you were white and you were a landowner, that Constitution applied to you. But if you weren't, it did not apply to you. At the end of the presentation, he comes to me and he goes, I'd like to know why you feel that way about the Constitution. I said, oh, I don't feel <laughs> any way about the Constitution. I am a veteran of the U.S. Armed Forces. I spent 20 plus years defending, defending the, Constitution the Constitution of this nation. Right. I don't have a problem with the Constitution. What I shared with you were facts that are found in historical documents. Okay, mic drop. Mic <laughs> drop. So to wrap up, so Denise, this has been amazing and we definitely are going to have you back for part two so that we can dive further into what it was like when something happened behind your back and you were the one who was showing bias against two gentlemen that you overheard speaking. So guys, if you want to connect with us and be sure to connect with us at thewakeupstories.com, join us in our Facebook group. Denise is in there to keep this conversation going, The Wake Up Stories. And we are going to have her back for part two. Like, share, comment. We will see you guys later. Thanks for joining us.